Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Joining me today is Haven Carter. Haven is an Achieve Peak Performance Coach. She helps people do what they do better so that they can excel in their career and create success in their whole life that's sustainable and fulfilling. Her background's in marketing, sales and business development, leading teams, developing talent, crafting campaigns, and generating new revenue to grow business. She blends this with her newest passion, which is meditation and awareness, mindfulness, and compassion. Haven, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Milad. I'm really happy to be here with you. You Before we jump into more about your business, I'd love to know a little bit about who you are and what you like to do when you're not coaching. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, um, it seems like I've been coaching my whole life, Um, uh, spending time with people, friends and family. I love to cook. I love to um, eat. And um, one of my passions is dancing. And um, I teach and I dance Nia, which is a conscious movement practice. Um, I just taught a class this morning and it looks like we're just moving our bodies to the music. And that is what we're doing, but we're also getting a fantastic workout. And um, Nia is what really changed my life. So I love to dance and I love all kinds of dancing. Um, and I need to do a lot of dancing because I do a lot of eating. <laughs> and I do a lot of, I like to uh, try all kinds of different wines. So when I lived in the Bay Area, I loved it when people came to visit and uh, I would take them up to Sonoma and Napa and go wine tasting and bring home cases and cases of wine. Um, now that I live in North Carolina, I don't get to do that as much. Um, but I love to read. I've always been a voracious reader and I have tons of books, all kinds of different books that I like to read. And I love to be outdoors. And for the past almost, almost four years, I've had a dog. And, um, so I love to be outdoors with Gypsy and take long walks with her out in the woods and, um, and be out in nature and get rebalanced, get recalibrated. Those are just some of the things that I like to do. Well, you're in a wonderful part of the country for being outdoors. I love the North Carolina area. And you have an interesting accent. Where are you from originally? I am from North Carolina. I grew up in eastern North Carolina. I spent a lot of time trying to hide this accent when I was on the West Coast. And now that I'm back here, I just let it all hang out. (laughs) (laughs) I think that one of the things that people probably don't know about me is that I guess I'm very auditory and I just love to I love to hear people talk. I love to listen to and try to figure out where where people are from. And I absolutely love your accent. So I'm glad you're not hiding it anymore. (laughs) And where are you from? Because you have an accent yourself. See, that maybe that's why I find it so interesting. I was born and raised in Nashville, and people tell me I do not have a Nashville accent at all. So well, I, I'm picking up a little bit of South, a little bit of Southern, <laughs> a little barbecue. Exactly. Well, you know, don't get me started or I'll start throwing out the, the well, I reckon and, and, you know, all of those good old Southern terms. Uh, <laughs> we all love to be 
inspired by people's journey. And even from just that little bit that you've told us so far, it sounds like you've had a pretty interesting journey. So I'd love to know, how long have you been coaching and what really led you to get into it in the first place? Well, I... um when I found, okay, so you, you, in my intro, you, you shared that I was in business for a while. I was in corporate marketing and business development and sales for over 25 years. And my journey started in North Carolina and led me out to the San Francisco Bay Area. And it looked really good from the outside, Millette. Uh, I looked like I was doing it really, really well, but on the inside, I was not doing it well. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't have very good boundaries. And I was a mess. I was, uh, had ulcer on top of an ulcer. I developed IBS. Um, and the one thing that I loved about my job though was developing the people around me. I loved the people on my team and helping them grow into managers and directors. And that was the favorite part of my job. And so when I found Nia, I realized that I was living other people's dreams. I was not living my own dream and I figured out how to take care of me and that I, I I began to understand that if I took care of me, then I could take better care of the people around me and I could take better care of business. And I walked away from corporate and I started studying Neo, which led me to my Reiki Jin Kado lineage, which has a dedication to mindfulness and meditation. And that's when I said, I'm going to bring these practices to the people around me. And it took me a, it took me until I hired my first coach in 2011 to realize that I wanted to bring it to corporate, to Mm -hmm. people who, to people who work in the business environment and say, Hey, you can do this better than I was doing it. Um, I stumbled a little bit. Um, but I spent some time in Sydney with my teacher in the Reiki Jin Kado tradition. And at that point, I was still uh, a little bit on the fence about coaching and Nia and what was I going to do full time. And Ranga, my teacher, he kept telling me that my gift was meditation. And at that time, I said, I'm not sure I want that to be my gift. You know how sometimes we, it's so clear to other people and we just can't see it yet. Mm. And I came back to the States and it just, it, 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 I was picked up with this coach again and it was very clear that, um, I was meant to uh, do this program called Happy at Work, um, coaching program and I dove right in. So really formally, I've been working as a coach for five years. In the Happy at Work program, also um, as an Achieve Peak Performance Coach, working with professionals, helping them be their best. And that really is about helping people uh, get more done, create a bigger impact for themselves and their companies, make more money, find balance, and ultimately, we're happier at work. But if we're happier at work, then we do all of those things also. Mm-hmm. So right. it's the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I find it to be so interesting that you almost did like a, a 180, you know, being in corporate and naming off some of the things that I named off, like, you know, sales, business development, marketing, leading teams. All that sounds so, so structured and and to me, a little confining even. And then on the flip side, it's like now you're into meditation and 
mindfulness and awareness. And it, it seems like just a, a huge, huge shift for me. And what I would love to know is when you do make such a big shift, do you feel like you still experience those same ups and downs that that people have when they're when they're building a business or did it did it seem to that shift made things easier for you did you have a lot of disappointments can you tell us about uh, some of your experiences there oh yes we still have lots of ups and downs yes um yeah you know i think that um probably i i remember um, sitting in meditation after I'd gotten back from Australia. And, uh, it's almost like a flash of light of, uh, what have you given up? You know, uh, it's almost like in corporate, um, you're a cog in a wheel and the impact that you make can be, um, you know, you can almost hide or you can, you can be a big player, but it's, for example, when I worked for a large Japanese company, we used to talk about how how it would take decades to make a change. And yet we we launched the Sony PlayStation and it was bigger than the Walkman launch. And we made this huge impact in this company that was just just a behemoth. Mm. And, um, and so you can make a huge difference being in a large company like that, but, but working on, on my own and knowing that it was all up to me was like, what have I done? Mm. How mm. am I going to do this on my own? And so it was finding, you know, uh, finding a tribe, finding a tribe within Nia, finding a tribe within, uh, you know, other people who are like-minded people who are waking up and know that being a conscious leader, being open, always wanting to continue to learn, understanding that we're always the student and there we're out there, we're here. And, you know, coaches tend to be that way and coaches tend to promote um, that among each other and among our clients. So I found a great field. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the ways that you found yourself connecting with those like-minded people? Because in coaching, it, it seems nowadays a lot of people are moving their business online and it's hard to develop those relationships with other people. It's hard to begin to connect online because you seem to run into a lot of people that just that just want to try to sell. You know, they just want to connect with you to sell. And it's it's to me, it seems difficult to really find those people that want to create a real connection and, and develop a real bond when it begins online. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm on I'm on a Facebook group right now where we all have the same sensibilities of abundance, and we've limited our promotional um, outreach to one day. So while we recognize that we all have um, marketplace within our, you know, within our basket of goods, if you will, and we all need to make a living, that we're not necessarily going to sell to each other, but we all have our own um, niche within mm-hmm. the coaching marketplace. So we might be able to recommend our programs to one another. But we have this beautiful group on Facebook, and we invite 
like-minded coaches and even clients to participate in this group where we share what's happening, the drama, the, uh, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly so that we can all learn from each other and we can share in the ups and downs of what's happening in our work lives and our home lives and our whole lives so that we can help celebrate um, our wins and learn from each other's losses and help patch each other's wounds. Mm. You know, speaking of celebrating, I know that you know for a lot of people, building up a business, it's not an overnight success sort of thing. It's there's a lot of consistent action that you have to take before you feel like you, you kind of catch that first big break. Now, you said that you've actually you've been doing the coaching for five years. So what would be a time where you felt like you were finally starting to gain some momentum in your business? I feel like I'm um gaining momentum. Um, it's, you know, it's riding the wave. It's, uh, it ebbs and flows. I think for me, one of the things, one of the thing that sets me apart from the other coaches is my attention to energy therapy and mindfulness and meditation. So while, um, the coaching business, uh, may go up and down, I have a steady class schedule of uh, meditation and I have a steady, steady roster of energy therapy clients. Um, the, Coaching clients, I would say in the last couple of years have become more steady. So the real momentum has come as mindfulness has become more mainstream. And I think when Time Magazine put it on the cover of their magazine a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, when Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier came out, I think it was in 2015, maybe 2016, when these things started to become in everyday language was when my coaching client said, yes, I can understand how this will benefit me. You know, research just started to come out in the last two years of how sitting in stillness and mindfulness can help the everyday American worker be better at what they do. And now that uh, companies are hearing about how not just Companies in the Silicon Valley are adopting mindfulness um, practices and mindfulness programs. So, yes, they say, oh, yes, I can see how Google will do, would do that. But when they hear that Accenture has programs and General Mills and Ford Motor Company, they stop and they say, oh, okay. And then they hear the statistics of how productivity and strategic decision making is being improved at the managerial level and that healthcare costs are actually going down, then they're very interested in talking with someone like me about uh, me have, uh, coaching their employees and their managers, directors, vice presidents, and even at the C-suite level. I think that that's interesting because it almost is like it goes hand in hand, you know, when these little consistent actions out in the world for people to begin to know more about mindfulness and to know more about the ability of some of these 
practices that maybe people they hadn't heard of before or they thought of, oh, well, that just happens. You know, that's just what monks do. Real people don't do that. But when they see it here and then, like you said, they see it on Time magazine and then it's someone else talks about it. Those little consistent actions, even out in the world, can help some people in their business to begin to gain that momentum. So I think that's a really interesting point of view, you know, to be able to look at that. Yeah, it's so funny, Millette. Um, All these closet meditators are coming out now Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, well, I... I credit a lot of my success to the fact that I've been meditating for 30, 40 years. Uh, Kobe Bryant, um, LeBron James, you know, all these sports, all these successful sports people and people in business, the leaders of Salesforce.com, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all these folks meditate themselves. And now their people around them are saying, well, would you start a program here? Mm. And a lot of them came by it by very interesting uh, stories and and routes. But, you know, the head of Aetna, he had a terrible, um, he broke his neck in a skiing accident. And he came by way of a meditation practice in order to manage the debilitating pain he was in. Mm -hmm. And now Aetna has trained something like 40,000 people in mindfulness through sitting in stillness. Hmm. It's amazing the benefits that they've seen just at that one company. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that what a lot of people would scoff at or it's like, oh, that's not really, that's not business is like you said, it's something that people have been practicing for 30 years. They just never really talked about it. But when everybody starts to talk about it and everybody starts to recognize or, or the recognition grows, that can help so many so many more people. Yeah. One of the things that we really measure success on is hitting these certain goals or reaching a benchmark that we've set for ourselves. Over your years of coaching, what would you say has been maybe a favorite achievement that you've had so far? Favorite achievement. I, I It's, you know, every, every client is a favorite. The last one, the next one. Um, when I just see someone making a change that makes them better, that makes them feel whole, that makes them happier and makes them complete. You know, it, it, it sounds so corny, Millette, but it's, you know, I looked at this question and I, I, um, you know, I could say, oh, my book or, but it's not, it's, you know, it's when I, Talk with someone, I, you know, I, I can remember the first conversation that I had with almost every client, I think with every client, and then see the progress that we made together. And I can remember how we might have struggled together or how they resisted and, um, and then see the breakthroughs and see the discoveries and see not only how, you know, it doesn't only change the client's life it changes everyone around them. I have this one client and I love to talk about Lisa. She was in a toxic work environment and then she came home and just polluted her entire home environment. And, and she changed herself and she, she turned her work environment into a nicer, happier place to work. And then she got promoted. So she created a, a happier life for the, everyone, but she got promoted and made more money. But then she started going home and 
spending time with her kids and her husband again, rather than not, which, you know, she'd come home and yell at the kids and and grab the wine and sit in front of reality TV and not even speak to her husband. And the whole dynamics of that changed. Mm -hmm. So, and then she, her her friends at church started saying, hey, Lisa, you've lost weight. You're happier. The family's happier. What are you doing? And she talked a little bit about what she was doing, and she mentioned that she was meditating, and they said, hey, why don't you start a meditation group at church? So she was affecting work, home, and now her church community. So, I'm, you know, it blows me away. Mm-hmm. And I've got, you know, so many of those stories. Um, I've got one client who's super stressed out. This was three years ago. We're still working together. Um, and she says, I'm too busy. I can't. I can't meditate. It was one of just one thing that I was asking her to do, but she started taking three conscious breaths at stoplights because she travels a lot. So at stoplights, she put one hand at two o'clock on the Mm -hmm. steering wheel and one hand at 10 o'clock, like we're taught to do in driver's ed. And she would take three conscious breaths. And that is breathing in deeply through our noses and exhaling completely through our mouths with her eyes open. And sometimes at the light, it would be one breath and sometimes six, but that's where she started her meditation practice. And that can be so calming to our nervous system, so calming to, you know, our blood, our blood pressure comes down, our heart rate comes down. And when we do that, we can, it creates that pause. It creates that gap between something happening and what we do about it. So instead of reacting, we can decide how we want to respond or we can decide whether we're going to respond at all. So I look at, those are just two examples. And so it's hard to say what's my greatest accomplishment. I haven't been on Oprah yet or Ellen (laughs) yet. (laughs) Uh There you go. Not yet. So if someone is wanting to you know, if someone's listening to us and they're like, oh, you know, that sounds really great because I'm building a business. I, I could use some of this calmness and some of this meditation. But a lot of people, myself included, find it very hard to turn off that chatter in their mind. I mean, I know that when my eyes open in the morning, it's like my brain turns on and the stuff starts rolling through my head and just being able to to quiet that. What would you say would be something that that if someone just kind of wanted to dip into to it and, and give it a try. What should they do to start with? The three conscious breaths? That's a great place to start. The first thing I would do is accept that the chatter is going to be there. No one can turn that chatter off. What we do is we invite that chatter just to fall into the background. Just say the chatter's there. That is the nature of the human mind. So I am going to do my best to concentrate and focus on breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. And even Thich Nhat Hanh says, say to yourself, as you're breathing in, I'm breathing in. And as I'm breathing out, I'm breathing out. Or even as I'm breathing in, I'm breathing in. And as I'm breathing out, I smile to myself as I breathe out. And then our mind wanders and we're off thinking about all the things that we have to do today or what we did yesterday, or we start beating ourselves up for what we did. And then we catch ourselves. And so we very gently and compassionately and kindly remind ourselves to come back to the breath. So a meditation practice is about beginning again and beginning again and beginning again. And people who have been meditating 
monks in the monastery say that they begin again and again and again. So that's why it's called a practice. No one says, well, they, they, we have these, we have these moments where we say, I did it. And then we go, well, if we think we did it, we're not doing it. <laughs> so, you know, you have these moments and, and, um, I was talking to someone the other day and she said, well, even if I sit and the entire time my mind is chattering away, it's better than if I didn't sit at all, hmm. because at least I sat and I and, and I was aware that I was chattering away, but I sat in stillness and my body was calm and I did my best every few moments to say to myself, I'm going to concentrate on my breathing. And then my mind went. So we start with the three conscious breaths. And sometimes even if we just take three conscious breaths before that important phone call. So let's say we're going to make a sales call to a potential new client and we can take those three conscious breaths and then we can stop and we can focus on our breath and we can visualize that the coaching part of the call is going to go great and we're going to remember to do everything that we want to do on the call, that we're going to remember to say everything that we want to say. We're going to remember to listen really well Then we're going to remember to leave enough time to give our sales pitch or talk about our program in detail and what dis- differentiates us from other coaches. And so we just visualize that this person is the perfect client. And we just breathe in and out. And then we make the phone call. And just imagine what that would be like versus just picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. And is this something that, that you feel people need to bring into their entire lives? And I say that because I know a lot of people that will have, say, a morning practice where maybe they sit in meditation or prayer for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. But then it's almost like, okay, I've got that done. I can go on about my day. But it actually sounds like what you're talking about is more bringing it in as a complete lifestyle, as something that you're going to do continuously throughout your day. I know people who do sit in the morning and get up and go about their day and you'd never know they'd sit in the morning. I would say that there are people that sit in the morning and you know that they sat in the morning because they're the calmest, most peaceful, even keeled, and they might not need to do this breathing, but they're calm because they're doing the breathing all the time. Um, you know, I'm reading this great book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, and they, at the very beginning of the book, they lay out two extreme examples of the unconscious leader and the conscious leader. And of course, the conscious leader sits in meditation and does yoga and, you know, is that far, far self-care has the time and the luxury of the sit and the the checking back in and the grounding. And it is a lifestyle, Millette. It is. It really is. It's the It's the being aware that I'm off center and I need to get back on center. So for me, what I do is if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I don't know what to do, oh, I've got all this to do. I don't know what to do. I will just sit and breathe in and out three conscious breaths or I will get up, leave the computer and put on some music and dance around for five minutes or I'll go grab Gypsy and go on a walk. But I won't sit here and 
and be inefficient and ineffective and go, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Get up and go do something else. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's movement. Sometimes it's calling another coach on the phone and going, I feel really stuck. What are you, what are you doing right now? Sometimes it's turning to that Facebook group. Hey, what's somebody else doing? How, how can I get some support? Mm-hmm. But it is, it is a lifestyle. So we've been talking about how to bring how to bring this mindfulness into into our lives. You work with people, you know, on how to bring it into their lives so that they can do better in business. What would you say that the future of your business looks like? What What are you excited about creating next? Well, um, I want to do I want to do more workshops. I do some workshops, um, usually in the corporate environment. Uh, but I want to create my own workshops. Uh, so I'm in the process of building my lists. And that's, you know, that's the key to workshops is having a big list so that I can bring as many people in as possible. So I'm going to start with online webinars. And then I'd like to have live workshops. I've done a few. And, um, you know, the content is not difficult. It's filling a room, which is the difficult part. Um, but I, you know, and then so it's about, I think it's going to be about partnering with other people to offer uh, good programs that um, is going to attract people. So that's really what I'm looking at for the future. Yeah, that sounds really cool and interesting. I like the idea of, you know, the idea of combining online and offline. That's one thing that I see a lot of coaches, whether they do it because they just love to have a lot of different things going on in their life or whether they do it because it's sort of a necessity to have several different income streams is just that sort of idea of like a portfolio business. It is. But you know, what? it's also I get people who prefer webinar and online mm -hmm. and I get people who want in person. Mm, right. Yeah. So it's a different audience. It really is. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, why not? You have something great to offer. So you kind of want to be able to put yourself out there and help as many people as you can. So being in different areas, you talked about writing a book as well. So what are some of the ways that you are generating revenue in your business? What are the different ways that you're, you're putting yourself out there? Well, my base business is um, coaching. It is my classes, which are primarily uh, uh, meditation classes and my energy therapy clients. But I have written two books. My first book is a shared author book, and it's called Making a Difference. And I wrote a chapter on mindfulness, which is basically the basics of mindfulness. And well, I got so excited about that book that I wrote a book that just came out in May, which is available on Amazon plug plug, uh, called Mindful Moments, Everyday Mindfulness for Real People. Mm. So this book is really, it came about um, really at the urging of clients who would say, I wish you would just write all of this down so I would have it somewhere. Uh, and then it became a little more generalized. And it's really nuggets of wisdom about mindful mornings, mindful cooking and eating, driving, uh, interactions, relationships, and living. So it's a book that um, I recommend people keep beside the bed or by their reading chair that you pick up and read in little pieces and let it digest and then come back to it. 
You know, I love that idea. And I guess I'd love to get your take on how it all sort of works together with the mindfulness. The idea of, of your clients telling you, you know, hey, I wish that that was something that you would write down so maybe I could read it later. How do you integrate the idea of, you know, the mindfulness and being really purposeful about what you're doing, along with wanting to grow a business, wanting to be successful, you know, knowing what to create. You have that cool background in sales and business, and then the whole aspect of being really grounded and being really purposeful with the mindfulness and the awareness. How does that fit together for you? Well, first of all, you know, a lot of a lot of people are walking around and they they're don't even know what they really want. Mm. So it starts right there with, you know, mindfulness is getting in touch, paying attention to yourself. What is going on right now in this moment with me? What is happening in my body? How am I feeling emotionally? What is happening in my head? What am I thinking? Do I want to think this? Whose thought is this anyway? Who put this thought here? Is this what I really want to think? Is this how I really feel? And so I think I find some business people and some of my clients don't even know what they want. So we have to get back in touch with what is it that I really want? And that comes back to what are my values? What motivates me? What excites me? So we, you know, we're getting into some, just some real basic stuff. A lot of it comes down to self-worth. I end up working a lot with people on, you know, building that back up. And it's, you know, we start with in our society, it's about in our culture, I think it's all about self-confidence and self-esteem. But in mindfulness is self-compassion because self-compassion is not going to waver in the wind. Self-compassion is something that comes from within and it's based on an internal, I don't want to say feeling. It is, it's an internal sensation. It's something that's, it's a muscle that we develop based on sitting in stillness and compassion. When we realize we're all the same, we're the different, but we're the same. Whereas self-esteem and and confidence are when we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. But self-compassion is when we know we're all the same. We all have the same struggles and we all can win and no one has to lose if we win. So it's from an abundance point of view. Hmm. And so we have to get in touch with that, you know, what is it that I really want? And when I know what I really want, and I know what my values are, and I know what motivates me, and I know that I'm, I'm, I deserve it, and I'm ready to put myself first. And that doesn't mean that I'm selfish. It means that I'm going to take excellent care of myself. And I'm 100% responsible for myself and my actions and my feelings. Then I can figure out what the business is, or I can attend to what the business is, and I can do my best at what the business is. You know, one thing that that I've seen just talking to coaches, everybody wants to grow their business. You know, everybody wants to be successful, wants to feel like they're a success, helping people. And for most people, one of the aspects of that success is having a prosperous business, bringing in clients. What would you say is your favorite strategy to bring new clients into your business? You know, Millette, probably the most successful um, way that I've been bringing clients in is by uh, doing lunch and learns, uh, doing speaking engagements, and by doing, um, I do health fairs. 
And the way that I get into these health fairs is through the mindfulness and meditation and the energy therapy. So sponsorships, speaking engagements, great way to meet people, great way to engage people on what coaching is. A lot of times people don't know what it is. And then it's a great way to show what coaching can do, especially in a speaking engagement, and then offer people a session and then offer and then explain what the program is and from there, it's pretty easy because people have had at that point a couple of exposures. And, you know, in a coaching um, situation, it really is a lot of times a connection. People have to trust, people have to like, and then people have to desire. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, they usually have the desire. At that point, they usually like, and after the conversation, they trust. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of people these days really want to just keep everything online. And while being online, I mean, there's a great aspect of being able to build a business online, having that ability to go out and talk to people and then be able to create that connection between people. It seems like that's a great way to maybe shorten that or eliminate that barrier to entry where you may have a lot more of it online because it takes a lot longer time for people to feel like they really know you as a person or feel like they can really trust that you're going to have their best interests in mind versus sitting in a a room with you and listening to you talk about the things that you're great at. Yes, I found that to be true. One of the things that I think a lot of people want to know about is what what should be their first step? As someone who's built up a successful coaching business, what would you say would be one thing that you would tell people to do that they would need to do first if they want to grow a business? Or maybe even what would be something that you wish you had done when you were getting started? I think I wish I had been doing health fears sooner. I wish I had been speaking sooner. I did a lot of networking from the start and joined networking groups. Uh, and I think networking is fabulous. I really do. Um, but I, I wish I had been uh, getting out there and doing sponsorships and, um, and fairs sooner. And I, I do think that you have to pay really attention to who the audience is. You just can't go out and just start doing fairs. You have to really make sure that it's your demographic. You need to make sure that the people that you're going to be talking to are truly going to be your potential um, clients. So you have to do your homework. Uh, and then also always ask, can you be, can you offer you know, these consultations while you're there and set those appointments up while you're there. You know, don't just, it is good to collect emails and phone numbers, but don't just collect emails and phone numbers, set the appointments up and then ask for when you're at the fair, if it's a company um, sponsored fair to ask for workshops, ask for the lunch and learn and do it for free if they don't have a budget and just tell them at the lunch and learn that you're going to be offering um, free consultations and you're going to be wanting to set up appointments with their people. And then ask, ask if the company helps out with the employees coaching. Is there a program where they will pay for the coaching or reimburse for part of the coaching? 
And is there a way that you you can get on with the company as one of their approved coaches for their executives? Wow, those are some great tips. You know, one thing that I would that I'd love to know about because I've talked to some people who have had some issues around this. You know, people that that offer coaching that that's maybe more spiritual or maybe more. I guess the one word that's bantered around is the woo woo type coaching. They don't necessarily get, have a really great handle on the business stuff. Or maybe they I've talked to some people who just feel like they don't feel real comfortable asking for money or asking for the sale and they feel like they give more away maybe than they should or, or maybe they give more away than makes sense for their business. So if someone is sort of in that more of, of that realm of healing and meditation and, and spirituality and just feels like they're maybe more of a giver and has a little bit of trouble asking for asking for a sale or asking for payment, you know, what would be some ways that someone like that could tap into that more business side of going in and asking for the sale? Yeah, I've, I understand. I totally understand that, Millette. Um, you know, I think that we have to get in touch with the fact that it is a service that we're offering. And in our society, our exchange system is money. And we don't go in and ask for a haircut and not pay for it. And I would say that a spiritual service is far more valuable than any haircut that I've ever gotten. And I love my haircut. You can't see it, but I just use that as an example of we have to put a value on all the services. And while we can't hold a meditation in our hand, we can hold the results, the benefits from what meditation brings us in our bodies and in our minds. So it's really a value proposition. It's like in coaches, really what coaches are selling is just like a meditation. It's just like a spiritual practice. So I think a, a lot of coaches do deal with this uh, giving away a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had three, I've had three conversations and they still won't buy. Well, then we need to have a conversation about overcoming sales objectives, you know, rather than giving it away for free. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it's like, what is it that they're really objecting to? And it's not just, honestly, I've dealt with this on some level. I probably still deal with this. I don't know anyone that doesn't deal with this at some point, and it, it's something that will rear its head when we least expect it, because it's one of these lessons in our society that I think we learn over and over again, and it, it comes down to valuing the work that we do and valuing ourselves as professionals who deliver a solid service that people need, and it's about believing in ourselves and believing in the service and knowing that people are going to benefit greatly mm. from what we have. So it's coming back to that. It's coming back to grounding ourselves in that and being empowering ourselves and owning that. And it's not about, um, I was getting ready to say who's in the power position in the conversation, but I don't want to say that it's about, it's, it's really Thinking about it as a simple exchange, it's an energy exchange and the energy in our 
culture happens to be money. I have a coach who talks about, you know, what's her money story? Mm-hmm. So we might need to, you know, a coach might need to do some exploration internal. What's my money story? Right. Why am I having trouble accepting money? What's the first memory that I have around money? Did my parents fight about money? So I don't want to ask for money. Was money something that was hidden in my family? So I have trouble talking about it and get, get real clear and get, get clean about money so that money is just, it's just money. And I give money for my groceries and services and I receive money for my products and services. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it to just take all of the the charge away from the tension that builds up around it and just look at it as a simple exchange. And you're giving something and you're getting something in return and to just take the the seriousness away from that word money and to just make it a a simple uh, give and take relationship. This has been so good. I've, I've learned so much through this conversation today. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Sitting in stillness. Absolutely. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach should develop? Resilience. Recommend one book to us that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. I have two. Okay. Perot Ferrucci's The Power of Kindness and Kristen Neff's Self-Compassion. But I really have about 20. (laughs) (laughs) Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use and that you couldn't do business without. I have two. Okay. <laughs> Omega Institute and the Greater Good. And finally, how can the listeners best connect with you if they want to learn more about you and what you do and how they can get in touch? What social platforms are you on? What's your website? I am on Facebook and it's Haven Carter, H-A-V-E-N-C-A-R-T-E-R. And my website is Haven E. Carter, H-A-V-E-N, middle initial E, Carter.com. And on LinkedIn, I'm Haven.Carter. And on Instagram, I'm at Haven. No, I'm sorry, that's Twitter, at Haven E. Carter. Instagram, it's Haven59. Well, I will be sure to get all of those links onto the show notes page. Haven, this has been such a great conversation. I want to thank you again so much for joining me today. Millette, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business. Promosharecast.com always been a leader and I've always been pretty creative. It all starts with with character. <laughs> because Success is a result of standing. Roller coaster just took a deep dive. It's a genius idea, right? <laughs> Health, wealth, and spirituality. You made me sound so good. Great, great. I'm Antonio Holman, and if you want to be more successful, check out my podcast, The Four Principles of Success, at the4pos.com, part of the Success Media Network.